Thank you, Michael. Go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. Now just imagine you are walking along and um, you are, have, been, have been working on harvesting the, the crops and you, you've gone to the synagogue this week and, and there was some teacher that was there, some teacher of the law that has been teaching and, and you walked away as you had the last many times. You walked away not understanding really what on earth he was talking about. He was using big words. He was talking about stuff that really didn't have anything to do with, with your life situation. But you want to honor God. You know that's the, the right place to be with a synagogue, with the rest of your people, studying the, the, the law of God and hearing the message. But somehow it's just not touching you. And somehow when you go from the synagogue, you go back home, you still have conflict within your family. You still have the, the weight of some past debts that are, are on your shoulders that you can't seem to pay off. And you just go through this day in, day out. And when you go to the synagogue, you don't find refreshment from that. You don't find encouragement from that. You hear big words. You, hear, you see fancy clothes. You, you see all of that. And as you're walking along, you see this big crowd that is coming together. And you go and you stand there and you're listening at the... the edge of the crowd, and you start working your way in, and you hear these words, and I'll start reading in verse 5. You see this man teaching, and this is what he says, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and it was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he had said this, he called out, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. And you are there listening, thinking, Wow, this is a, a different sort of, of lesson than I'm used to. This is different than what I'm accustomed to. But I, this, this is piquing my interest. This somehow is touching me even though this guy who is teaching didn't quote any scripture right there, but he just told this story, but the story is something that I'm, I want to know what this is about. And he talks about hard soil, and I, I know what hard soil is. I walk on it all the time. I try to get stuff to grow on this hard soil, and it never happens. I throw the seed down there, and, and I try to brush it off because I know nothing ever grows there. And there's those rocks at the side of my field that always give me fits because I never seem to get them removed from my field. And and if I could remove them, if I could replace them with good soil, I would get a lot better yield. But those that whatever grows up there among those that rocky soil there, it never seems to produce. And I can go over and I can just there's no roots to it whatsoever. And then there's those thorns that I never seem to get ahead of. I'm always trying to fight those thorns and I'll get my my little crop of wheat to feed my family. Now I'll get that going, and then I think that things are going great, and then all of a sudden these thorns come up and they take over. And I have to, if I don't get them out of there, what happens is my, I don't produce any fruit, any grain at all. And it's so frustrating, it's like this constant battle, but I know what this man is talking about, just how good... It is when there is a great production. When I can throw some seed in the ground there and it comes and it grows and sometimes things just come together and it works. And what's produced is phenomenal and what's produced is amazing. And I'm always so excited when that happens. 
And this guy's talking about that. And this is the guy that I've heard about, this Jesus guy. And I'm really curious as to what this is about because he said, if you have ears to hear, then listen. In other words, listen to what I'm saying. I want you to hear. Some people are not going to understand this, but I want you to understand what this is. And so what you do is you stick around for a while longer, and he goes off with his disciples, and you stick there on the edge, just like a fly in the wall, just listening to see what else is going to be said. And this is what you hear. Verse 9, his disciples asked him what this parable meant. And he said, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that those seeing they may not see, and those hearing they may not understand. And you know what Jesus has just said right here. And Jesus has quoted from uh, Isaiah. And this, is, this section is from the call of Isaiah. When God approaches Isaiah and says, There is no one to speak my message to my people. And Isaiah says, here I am, send me, Lord. I will go. I will speak your message to the people. And so he has this interaction with God. But what he says is, understand, Isaiah, that my people are not going to listen to you. They're just not going to get it. They're not going to understand. And you need to speak and you need to share this. But my people, just because where their hearts are at, they're not going to hear what your message is. Now, how many of you would sign up for that myth, that, that ministry? All right, Noah... Rock on, man. <laughs> That's a, if, if you knew that you were going to share the message of God with people knowing that, that hardly anybody was ever going to listen. Man, talk about set up for failure, at least how we, we, we define success. But that's what happens. And so Jesus goes back and he quotes that and he says, okay, this is what's going to happen. Is there's people that are not going to understand the things that I'm sharing with them. Just like in Isaiah's day. There's going to be people now that don't understand. But this parable... I'm going to share what the meaning is. And very rarely does Jesus share what a meaning of a parable is, but he does here. And look at verse 11. He continues on. He says, This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those among the path are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing they fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a good crop. And as you're standing there listening, this parable jumps out to you. And you understand that Jesus is talking about four different types of hearts. When we hear the message of God, when God throws his seed out into the world, we have a choice of how we respond to it. There is those that have the hard, unreceptive heart, that hear, may hear the message of God somewhere, but are not interested at all. Now, there's all of us know people like that. Typically, in our country, in our world, if you are participating with a with a church group on Sunday morning, that's probably not where you're at because there's all sorts of other things to do to participate. Unless you are here by force and being drugged here, that's probably not where any of us are. We're here because we, we want to be here, because we want to honor God. But we all know those people and maybe family members and, and maybe friends, maybe coworkers, that it just does not seem that anything spiritual triggers their heart or touches them at all whatsoever. How many of you know people like that? Okay. 
So what God tells us, what we understand, is that we keep sowing seeds because there's people... Now, let me ask this question differently, okay? How many of you, at one point in time, had a hard, unreceptive heart to the message of God? But yet, you are here today because someone continued to share the message of God with you. And God worked in your heart somewhere, somehow, in order to soften things up. So if someone around you has a hard, unreceptive heart, do not give up. Continue to pray, continue to share the message of God in some form or fashion, mostly by example, to bring them to a place where they can hear the message of God and be transformed someday. Uh, but that's, that's where some of us are. Uh, some of us, as Jesus says here, have hearts that, that, are, that are rocky. And again, these are is grain that grows up amount, around rocks but does not have, have root, and so it can be pulled up really easily. And you notice what Jesus says there? It says that these, things, these uh, soils that are rocky, it mentions, he mentions that they, have, they believe for a while, but in time of testing they fall away. Okay, so there's times where, um, there's times where following God is uncomfortable and there's times of testing, right? There's times of testing that can come where we, get, we, we read something in God's scripture that we wrestle with and think, wait a minute, I don't think I like that. I don't think I'm on board with that. that, I, that I struggle with that. And we have to decide, am I going to submit to God in faith and, and follow him and understand that he does know more than me because he's the creator of the world, and I'm going to walk by faith realizing that God's going to continue to, to grow me and I'm going to understand more as I go along. Or we can, uh, sometimes these, these obstacles are, are health issues. Um, we have a, a tendency sometimes to, um, when, when things are uncomfortable for us, to blame God for those things. And, and instead of leaning into God for his comfort and his, his guidance, we, we blame him and we push him away. Uh, there's times where we may run across, um, and all of us are guilty of this at some point in time, we have interactions with people who are Christians that don't demonstrate Christ. And we can run during those times. And we can say, if that's the way church people are, I'm done. I'm going to disappear. I'm, I'm out of here. And we, we run and we, we, we bail when things get difficult. And Jesus is, is giving us a, hey, listen and pay attention to me here because you cannot produce fruit if we bail. We can't do it. We can't be part of God's kingdom if we bail. Hey, he continues on. He talks about thorny soil. How many of you guys have ever got your hands tangled up with a thorn bush somewhere? Yeah, yeah, that's fun, isn't it? That's great. Yeah, that's wonderful. And so grain does not grow up when there's lots of thorns around. And you notice what he says here. He says the seed, the seed, seed excuse me, verse 14 the seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. Okay, so here's some, think about this. Um, you notice what, and I discovered this a number of years ago, and it really impacted me. It does not say that the thorny soil, that the, the fruit produced or the grain produced in the thorny soil dies and goes away. It just says they become unproductive. And I believe that's a, a great uh, strategy of Satan, is that if he can just keep us from being unproductive, then I think he's pretty happy. He'll say mission accomplished because we're not producing fruit anywhere else. Uh, you notice what he, he mentions here. Jesus says, here are the things that really, really get you. 
worries of this life, riches, and pleasures. These are things that cause people to become unfruitful. Okay, so how many of you ever worry? Honestly, yeah. Beth, Beth worries? I can't believe it. Once in a while. It must have happened five or ten years ago, right? No, I'm sorry. I messed with Beth. Yeah, Beth is a tremendous example for all of us. But worries happen. We can worry about the past. We can worry about the future. We can worry about the present. We can worry about all that, that type of thing. And it just, it, how many of us have ever accomplished anything positive by worrying about something we can't control? We know that, we, but yet we still wrestle with that. Think about this. I, and I shared this here several years ago, but it's still a quote that impacts me a lot, and I think about it. How many of you have read the screw tape letters? C.S. Lewis. Hey, C.S. Lewis, the screw tape letters is there's, there's two demons. Screw tape is influencing and writing letters to Wormwood on how to tempt and trying to teach him the, the human psyche and what you need to do in order to tempt. And one of the things that, uh, that screw tape is, is actually admonishing uh, Wormwood for is that he allowed the person, his client, his patient, to do something that um, do something productive. And he said, and, and think about what can I do right now? He said, don't ever let them do that. They're so dangerous when they do that because if we can keep them worrying about the past continually or concerned about the future all the time, then we've got them. And, and they're going to be ours and they're going to be no use in God's kingdom because the present is the point at which time touches eternity. And I will always remember that quote because if we can look at ourselves right now and say, what can I do right now to honor God? then who knows what can happen and what God can do through us, what we're capable of. But if we continue, if we worry, then we're not ever going to be productive. We're not going to, to do things for God because we're so concerned about, about the things that we're worrying about with ourselves. Or riches. Riches is another one. And, um, and the Scripture talks a lot about that. The desire to get wealth, sometimes wealth, all those things. Wealth in and of itself is not bad, but it can be extremely dangerous. I had a conversation here uh, about a week ago with a very good friend of mine that I've, I've known since my college days, and uh, we call each other just out of the blue from time to time, just a, hey, what's going on, man? And, and he is a, a guy that we, we went through, we, we just walked through a lot of really fun times together in life during our college years and had a lot in common, and even though we live many states away and have uh, uh, different places in life in some ways, we maintain contact. My friend has made probably more money than any of us can ever imagine. He's very, very successful at what he does. And, and Christ is a very, very important part of his life. And in his business, he gives out Bibles to every one of his clients that comes along. He does all sorts of things. He is a, a deacon in the church where he participates, a very godly example. But something he told me as I was on a walk, I had the dog in this hand, I had the phone in this hand, and I just called him out of the blue to say, hey, I'm praying for you today, hope life's good, man. And he said, man, something that I've been doing that, that's really bothered me a lot here last while is I look around at my life, and, and everybody knows I'm a Christian. I talk about being a Christian all the time. I share Bibles with people all the time. But my kids have never seen me bring somebody who is not a Christian into my home share the message of God with them, and teach them to follow Christ. And that is my goal for 2019, 
to go this next step and be one who is evangelistic and sharing my faith and doing Bible studies with people because that's the only thing that really matters in this life to bring people to Christ. That's what God told me to do. And I, I feel like I'm really good at doing a whole lot of other stuff, but I'm not good at that. So would you please pray for me to be able to be more effective at that? Now, I know my friend is that with him, I believe that God has given him great wealth because he knows he can handle it. He knows what my friend's going to do with it, which is bless others. But for him still, with, if I told you more details about him, you'd say, what is this guy worried? Many in this world would say, this guy's got it made. What, is he, what does anybody worry about that's in that type of situation? I can tell you my friend said, the thing that's important for me is bringing other people to heaven with me. That's what matters. And so my friend is a great example of one that has walked past that distraction of what riches can be and saying, I, you know, if I lose it all, I'm fine. I'm just going to share the message of God with other people. That's what I want prayers to be able to do more. Thorny soil can also, if, if our hearts are like that, we can be distracted by pleasures. Basically meaning whatever I want to do right now is more important than whatever God wants me to do at any given moment. And I'm just going to do what I want and follow my own desires and pursue that. And so if we live that way, what happens is we end up being distracted. And being distracted leads to us producing nothing in our lives at all for, for the kingdom of God spiritually. Now, okay, I'm going to take a time out here for just a second. When I read this parable... There's part of me that thinks, man, Jesus, did you live in the 21st century in America? How on earth is it possible that you nailed us so much uh, with this? And I have to believe that people in Jesus' day, people in our day, we're not that different, are we? But that we have a tendency to be distracted by worrying, by trying to pay the bills, by, by pursuing riches, and by saying, I want to do what I want to do. And those things... Even though we can still follow God, they make us unfruitful and we don't produce anything. And I think some of the most miserable people I've ever run across, and let me speak closer to home, the times that I have been most miserable in my life is when I've been distracted by thorny soil, stuff like this. That's it. In far and away, those are the times that I've been most, most distracted and, uh, and most empty because I'm not living the way that God has called me to be. Now, for a good crop... You throw one seed down, good, healthy wheat comes up, produces a whole lot here. And Jesus said, he says, if those who are the best looking produce a good crop, right? Or those who come from the right families produce a good crop. Or those that are most eloquent produce a good crop. Or those that are most wealthy produce a good crop. You notice all that stuff that he says there? It's not even close, is it? Let's read it. In verse... Uh, uh, verse 15, but the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. Wow, think about this. Maybe sometimes there's part of me that thinks, oh, if I'm going to produce a, a fruit for God and, and be all that I can be, how do I do that? How do I do that? And I feel this great burden, this great pressure on me to produce, if I can say it that way. Something I notice here in the way that Jesus tells the story is that he says if good crop producers, what they do is they do so by perseverance. They people that just do not give up. And that's it. That's what you see here. And when I read through this, 
I find some great encouragement in this in, in, the, in the following ways. Okay? There is a tendency sometimes for us to, in our world and Jesus' world as well, to say, I need to be like that person, or I need to be different, I need to look this way or such and such. And it's great for all of us to have mentors, it's great for all of us to have examples. But what you notice here, what, what, uh, what Jesus says, is those who persevere and produce a great crop. So just imagine it looks something like this. As you're the person that is standing on the side, listening to Jesus teach his disciples there. And you think, wow, I'm, I'm in. This... That, that's it. What this guy's talking about is he just spoke to my heart. And I think I want to do something for God. As God, I'm realizing God's done some great stuff for me, and I want to do something for him. I'm going to give my life to God. I'm going to approach him in faith and repentance. I'm going to submit to him in baptism. My sin's washed away. And I'm going to pursue and see where God leads me. And you start waking up every morning saying, All right, today is the Lord's day. This is the day that the Lord has made. And I'm just going to do whatever I can in order to honor God today. Uh, and you, you go through life, and as, as you continue to grow, you start producing some fruit of the Spirit that you learn about. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These things start being produced. They start flowing out of your life. And your relationships are mended. And, and you start being an example to other people. And you start learning that, wait a minute, there's some giftedness that God has given me that I need to use for his kingdom. And you find there's, there's something that burdens your heart or you find a need within the community of this church that you become a part of and you start working, you start serving in that way and you find great joy in that because God has blessed you in a way that you can serve there that's not like anybody else. And you do that for 30 years or 40 years or 50 years or whatever and you persevere and when we do that, we can't help but to produce fruit. It's like an apple tree that is growing. You imagine an apple tree is growing. It produces fruit when there's good soil because it's just designed to produce fruit. That's what we do. An apple tree doesn't sit there and go, mm, mm. You see? And so when I look out here, you know, all of us are different. And not all of us are ministers. Thank the Lord, okay? There's... Because if we had you know, a bunch of the people that just, just spoke, we'd miss out on so much. Okay. I've discovered that the gift of, of teaching in that, that I really struggled with that. If you know my story, I wrestled with that, and I kind of wanted to keep my head low and stay behind the scenes and all that. But I see so many gifts that I, I learn, again, from you guys all the time, that I watch and I observe, and I think, wow, I just saw... Now, I saw someone do something that I never could. I never could do that that way because, because I see them using their gift in order to, to bless and to, to share the message of God in some way with the people around them. And so there's, I could walk through, and I don't want to do that because I couldn't walk through without leaving a whole lot of people out, but each one of you, each one of you is gifted uniquely by God to serve in his kingdom, to bring unity, to bring peace, to bring fruit to his kingdom in a way that nobody else here can. Okay, You don't need to try to be anybody else. You are you, and God has made you to do great stuff for his kingdom. And understand as well, don't get discouraged. Don't think, man, I feel like I'm not producing as much fruit as I, as I could. I need, to, I need to up this. Okay, fine, that may be. All of us need conviction to, to go deeper and to take more steps with God. But understand, 
that you can be really, really content and really thankful with exactly how God has made you, exactly who you are and exactly how you are. What Christ asks of us is perseverance, is to keep going and keep going and keep going and keep going and never give up. And by doing so, fruit flows out of us. Now, I almost stopped here because... You look at the next uh, verse 16, it says a lamp on a stand. Okay, that's a different story. We'll deal with that next week. But there's something in this story, in the next one, and I'll go through these very briefly, but that are very important to us to note because there is a common denominator, a common theme in all of them. Now, I want you to note here as well is that Matthew, when he talks about in the Sermon on the Mount, when he tells Jesus, telling the story of the lamp on the stand, he says, you are the light of the world, therefore go into all the world and share the light of Jesus. Basically is what he says. Don't cover it up, shine that light. And when I was reading it through, I realized that Luke uses the same analogy in a very, very different way. Jesus told these stories many, many times, he used these examples many times in different ways. But look, see if you notice what the difference is. Verse 16, no one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be made known or brought out of the open. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more and whoever does not have, even what they think they have, will be taken from them. So Jesus is saying here, you notice what he says here? He says, are you listening? Are you listening? I am going to share. I'm going to make everything light. Are you listening? Are you listening to what I'm telling you? Let's continue on in the next verses. Verse 19. Now Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. And he replied, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. You see what Jesus does again here as well? As Jesus' family hears God's word and puts it into practice. Jesus is willing at this point in time, as his mother and brothers come to see him, to say, to t- use this as an example. And he wasn't disrespecting his mother and brothers. That wasn't what this is about. But he's just saying very simply, is my family, my true family, my spiritual family, are the ones that listen, are the ones that hear and then put that into practice. And he doesn't say it here, but he just got through telling this, this parable. Are the ones that produce fruit. That's my family. And as I look through this, and as I reflected on this here the last while, is, man, this is a great message for all of us. Because there's all sorts of distractions in life. There's all sorts of hardships that we can go through. And we can allow those things to torpedo us and to, to take us away from what's most important. But what Christ asks of us is, hey, hey, are you listening? He uses a device, something like that, to say, are you listening to me? What I'm telling you is very important, okay? There's all sorts of distractions, all sorts of things that can take us a different way. But what I want you to understand is if you follow me, you persevere, you're going to produce fruit. And that's the abundant life that Jesus has designed for all of us. And so I hope as as all of us head out today, this is a time where we come together, we encourage each other, we take the Lord's Supper, and we get that, that great... Hopefully, great encouragement as we sing together and, and, and share the message of God together to go right back out those doors and say, God has made me unique. And every day, I'm going to wake up and embrace the abundant life of Jesus and produce fruit in whatever way I can. And I'm going to do that, and I will not let anything derail me.
That's what Jesus wants us to get, wants to get across through us. Great encouragement to me. I hope it is for you. If you'd like to become a Christian or you would like prayers of the church, the elders are waiting in the back to pray with you. Let's stand and sing together.